Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and it has been a long time since I decided to record an AEW Dynamite review. I could not pass this show up only because on the card, it was Cody Rhodes defending his TNT Championship title against Warhorse. Warhorse is definitely an internet and indie darling wrestling competitor. Everyone knows of him. He headbangs to any type of metal out there, and he is definitely known by the fans and very much loved. So I could not pass up this episode to let you know my thoughts on his match against Cody during this AEW Dynamite episode. I will start off saying thank you to everyone who always tunes in to my podcast, whether it's me talking about professional wrestling or me reading my novel called Rookie. I will not get into much details here on this episode specifically, but Rookie is my murder mystery wrestling novel. It is all fiction. You guys could definitely check it out over on the new home of the novel over on patreon.com forward slash Rookie SCP. Now let's dive right into AEW Dynamite. AEW Dynamite was a little bit off in terms of some of the matches, some of the commentating uh, spots that the booth had, but nonetheless, it was still a very nice, still well put together AEW Dynamite episode. We have the first contest, which is a 10-man tag match. You have the inner circle, so you have Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Jake Hager, Santana and Ortiz coming out as group number one. And then you have the combination of best friends, which is Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, Trent Beretta, and with Jurassic Express, Marco Stunt, Luchasaurus, and Jungle Boy. Makes up the 10-man tag. What I have in my notes is very little. I have that they did a really spots galore with everyone jumping over the top rope to hit the guys on the outside. And then it just gets really chaotic from there. Everyone hitting each other, everyone hitting moves here and there and stuff like that. It was a very fun little match to start with and definitely to watch and definitely to warm up the crowd and probably the fans at home watching and getting them excited and into AEW Dynamite. Sometime closer to the ending of the match, Matt Hardy comes out of nowhere. His music hits, and Matt Hardy comes onto the apron and pushes Sammy Guevara off. This not only distracts him, but it also allows for Luchasaurus to get the victory over a confused Sammy Guevara. I'm guessing that they are going to be picking up the story that was laid out before Sammy got suspended and have this Sammy Guevara versus Matt Hardy feud because Matt Hardy believes that Sammy could be so much greater without the inner circle by his side. But right now, Sammy is doing really well. Sammy is not stuck in a hard place. Sammy is really embodying the fact that he's learning from Chris Jericho, but it doesn't hurt to see this feud happen in the future. Now we get into the main match that everyone was talking about and buzzing about on Twitter. Cody Rhodes versus Warhorse. I was hoping for a clinic of a match. I was hoping for Warhorse to get himself over and 
I believe he did, even though I didn't really see much. I didn't see anything that stood out to make me believe that this is Warhorse. This is why he says that his number one rule is to rule ass and why he is the way that he is. As far as I can tell, it's just a knockoff of a coherent Ultimate Warrior in 2020. It's a little kiddish, which at times, you know, I don't mind wrestlers being kiddy or doing the comedic act. Sometimes it's needed in a world of darkness and it makes you escape reality. I get that. But Warhorse seems like the character itself should be a little more serious rather than being dorky in a way. AEW didn't present Warhorse right. Mikey Ruckus did the theme song to Warhorse, which to me personally didn't feel like a banger, like everyone says that it is. And this isn't me trying to like just bring down everything about Warhorse and the music and stuff like that. It's just that presentation matters. There's a reason why we still talk about Jungle Boy facing Cody Rhodes. Ricky Starks fighting Cody Rhodes, Eddie Kingston fighting Cody Rhodes, Sonny Kiss fighting Cody Rhodes, Jake Hager fighting Cody Rhodes, Mark Quinn fighting Cody Rhodes. Because all those competitors have the right presentation to get themselves over. Warhorse is probably better in other matches on the indies, and you guys can definitely send me some matches if you want to, but there's no guarantee that I will watch them, and that's not me being a heel right now. That's just me being honest with you guys. But in terms of AEW getting him over and getting his character over and, you know, what he does in the ring wasn't really there. The match itself was slow paced, was a little bit different. I would think that because on Twitter, Cody had this personality of, oh, you know, he's just um, a fan favorite. You know, he's probably not going to last five minutes in the ring with me. It's cool. Cody was underestimating Warhorse, and you could definitely see that during the match. There were times where, right in the beginning, where Cody had him in the corner, and instead of attacking him, he tapped his chest three times, meaning Warhorse's chest three times, and decided to walk away. That's when Warhorse took advantage of it and, you know, just slapped Cody in the back. Obviously, Arn didn't like that. It's like you never take your eyes off your opponent, you never turn your back to your opponent, and you definitely do not underestimate. Your opponent, especially when there's so much hype behind him, but that hype did not translate to being really good on TV. Like, if you have all that hype behind you, if you have all that fan hype behind you, why was it not shown in your wrestling skill? Why was it not shown in your storytelling skill? There was one move that I didn't like at all. And someone on Twitter was like, oh, this is a nice setup. It was not. Warhorse decided to do this crisscross move to Cody where he would throw him into the ropes. They would run the ropes and come back and spear him, I believe. That looked so weak. It looked like an amateur style type of move just to do rather than like talking to Cody in the back and being like, hey, you know, do you think that we should do this? You know, if you're going to do a move like that, at least either make it look convincing. It didn't even look convincing. It looked like he forgot 
what he was going to do next in the ring and couldn't call it on the fly. Sometimes in professional wrestling, when you guys forget certain spots to do, certain footwork to do, you know, you could call it on the fly. It's totally fine. As long as you're not going to kill your opponent, it should be okay. You know, the moment that you, you hesitate on a particular move, you know, that's not a good idea. So I just thought that crisscross move that Warhorse did to Cody was very stupid. Had no meaning in the story, nothing at all. So during the break, we have a top rope suplex from Cody onto Warhorse. Looked beautiful. Great. Then Cody decides to work on Warhorse's ankle to eventually apply a figure four so that way he could eventually maybe pick up the win in this match. There should have been a little bit more selling from Warhorse on that end, but not over the not over the top. You know, it's a little weird sometimes to work with somebody of Cody's caliber in the ring, especially when you know it's for TV. So if there was any nerves in this match, I totally get it. But you still have to be a professional and you still have to at least put a clinic on. So that way your hype can still continue. And maybe you might be the second person to get a next title shot again against Cody. Because if the fans were impressed, and management are like, hey, maybe there's something to this guy. Maybe we can market this guy. You know, you have to go full force with it. This is the one thing that sort of got me a little bit upset. So Cody goes in for the figure four leg lock. He applies it. And it's very obvious that he turned to make it seem as if Warhorse countered it so quickly. Because the story that the commentators were saying was that Warhurst studied Cody. I mean, it looked really bad to have Warhorse sort of, quote-unquote, quickly countered the figure four leg lock by turning over to reapply the pressure to Cody's legs rather than having Cody apply the pressure to Warhurst's legs. And, oh, man, I was just like, that was a really bad attempt to get over Warhurst. There should have been a little fight. There should have been a little, you know, movement to, like, try to do it on his own rather than Cody giving it to him. You know, it's the details that matter. And because we are in the era where there is no crowds, he can't get away with it. Because the camera is directly on them, they have to be a little bit more mindful about the moves that they do and how they execute it. So that way the magic doesn't get lost. And sometimes we can point it out because the camera is right there, right in front of them. And little tiny things like that kind of hurts the story. It hurts the wrestler. It makes it seem as if like the wrestler you are fighting that you're putting on TV doesn't really know how to tell a story, doesn't really know how to maneuver out of the move that they're put in the hole that they're put in so i didn't like that that it was quickly reversed and then the commentators are playing it up like warhurst studied cody for this match at the beginning of the match when warhurst did the thrust kick to break cody's wrist lock i thought that was you know original that was really nice the transition there was smooth but you know cody goes for the rope break and then they continue to have a match it's slowly starting to pick up with attacks here and there. And this is where I got into thinking, how is Warhorse special? 
if you guys totally disagree with my review on Cody versus Warhorse, I have no problem with you guys going over to anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast and leaving me a voice message. I have no problem with you guys going over to patreon.com forward slash rookie SCP to leave me a message, but make sure you pledge to the right tier to leave me a message or even on Twitter where it's free to leave me a message at Marie underscore shadows. If you think that I am wrong in my assessment and you feel some type of way. Warhorse was doing very basic attacks. And it's like you're in the match of your lifetime. You're on TV and you're doing basic moves of kicks and punches and forearms and a macho man elbow to try to win the match. And there's nothing that stands out so that way I could be like, I want to see that Warhorse guy again. I want to rock out with that Warhorse guy. I'd rather rock out with Ricky Starks, Eddie Kingston, Mark Quinn, Sonny Kiss, Jake Hager, which I already hung out with him. He's cool. And Jungle Boy. You know, I'd rather hang out with them because they understand how to put a match together and how to work a story. There wasn't really a story here. There should have been a story of... Warhorse doesn't like the fact that Cody is underestimating him. Warhorse should have been on the attack of, cool, you're going to underestimate me? Here's my moves. Here's, here's what I can do. I could take you to the limit. It didn't feel like Warhorse being the challenger, being the hyped up wrestler that Twitter makes him to be. There was no urgency there. There was no urgency to be like, you should never underestimate me. This is why I'm going to beat you. And maybe... You know, just maybe he could have won me over, but he did not win me over, you know, depending on what happens after this, because Warhorse saved Cody from the Dark Order attack that happened right after, which I find it kind of weird. But, you know, we could speculate about Dark Order and the Elite and the EVPs a little bit later. However, I just didn't see Warhorse as a contender with all that hype. And I knew that I was never going to get my hopes up and I knew I was never going to get hyped up and be behind the train. Now I understand why there was nothing special about Warhorse in this match. He's probably a fantastic wrestler without the Warhorse gimmick. He does have a scar on his lip and onto his chin. You know, he's seen some wars, he's seen some battles. So it makes sense that he's Warhorse, but it doesn't translate well over to what Warhorse could potentially be. Warhorse could potentially be a main event star rather than trying to capture the glory days of the 80s and what Ultimate Warrior did in the past. You know, I'm all for people doing that kind of stuff, but it just has to make sense. It has to be right. And it has to feel like you're committed to changing up your style to have another layer to your Warhorse character. Now, this whole entire review of Cody versus Warhorse might sound very heelish. It might put you off. I look at this business as something I'm very passionate about, and you guys know this. I've been on many other wrestling podcasts in the past, but that's how I feel when I watched it. It was just really not there. And it didn't feel rushed. It felt like it wasn't really well planned out to make Warhorse the star that he could have been on AEW Dynamite against Cody Rhodes. 
I don't know the behind the scenes details about those two guys talking the match out or whatever they wanted to do and they couldn't get it in. But I just want people to know out there that I take this seriously. Twitter hyped up Warhorse. The hype didn't deliver. And that's it. So aside from that, Warhorse did not rule ass against Cody Rhodes. The next opponent that should be fighting Cody Rhodes for that TNT championship title is the one and only JD Alpha, who is my client, who has never played WWF No Mercy, but that does not matter. What matters is, is that eventually Cody Rhodes will have to accept or Arn Anderson and Tony Khan will have to accept on behalf of Cody Rhodes to one day have JD Alpha, the best on the East Coast, face Cody Rhodes for that TNT championship. And I bet you it will be a clinic. I bet you JD Alpha would take him to the limit. All you guys have to do is to go on my Twitter at Marie underscore shadows. Make sure to find the video of JD Alpha accepting the challenge to Cody Rhodes for that open challenge for the TNT championship and retweet that. That is all you have to do. Just retweet that. Make sure the word gets out there and definitely follow me and follow at the Holy Alpha, which is JD's Alpha's Twitter. Go follow us, guys, and go hype us up. Next on AEW Dynamite, we have a little mini video of FTR finally signing their AEW contracts. On Twitter, they've been very forefront with Tony Khan and saying that they want to get on the AEW ranking system so that way they can challenge for the AEW Tag Team Championships. And Tony Khan said, you guys have yet to sign your contracts. Once you guys sign your contracts, then you'll be on the ranking system. What does AEW do? They show us a little video of FTR along with their attorney. There is Tony Schiavone. There is also a legal consultant who drew up the contracts in comes Arn Anderson and it's a very nice little video and we also get mentioned that on August 12th it will be a tag team appreciation day hosted by FTR I am excited for that and I hope you guys are excited to watch that as well so after they signed everything after everything is good hangman comes in pours them all drinks um unfortunately Arn Anderson is like not today gave his drink to uh, the FTR members and they all drank in unison to celebrate the fact that FTR is now officially on the AEW roster and they will now be ranked. And eventually they will challenge Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega for those AEW World Tag Team Championships if they are still the champions. Which leads me into the next match of... Stu Grayson and Evil Uno of the Dark Order facing Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega for those AEW Tag Team Championships. This has a very interesting start. First, Hangman comes out, has his entrance, come into the ring, and exchanges words with Stu Grayson and Evil Uno. You thought it would be fine, he's going to go to his corner, and then out comes Kenny Omega. And in the middle of Kenny Omega's entrance, Hangman decides to start attacking Stu Grayson and Eva Uno. Kenny is like, what the hell are you doing? Gets into the ring, breaks up everything, has Hangman in the corner and basically talks to him and is like, bro, slow down. Like, you know, there was no point for you to do that. 
I was still in my entrance, but you know, you're gonna be on the outside. Kenny Omega starts things off in this match. And while Kenny is talking to Hangman, Evil Uno decides that it would be great to attack Kenny from behind. Right out the gate, Kenny gets a late start in any type of upper hand between Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. Throughout the match, there was a lot of great double tag team moves from Hangman and Kenny. They work well as a tag team. When the time comes of them losing the belts, it will be sad for me. But I just know that I enjoyed the ride that Hangman and Kenny had throughout their time as champions. Then at one point, the Dark Order starts attacking Paige. Omega saves the team from a loss that could have potentially crowned new champions. Omega does the You Can't Escape to Stu Grayson. There's more double team from Hangman and Omega. There is a belly-to-belly suplex that the Dark Order did on Kenny into Hangman when Hangman was in the corner. That looked really, really good. Stu Grayson and Eva Uno is such a strong tag team, and they need to have more matches and be more recognized and just be the leaders, so to speak, of how it is to be a tag team to the Dark Order, because the Dark Order needs a little more shaping up. Omega does a snapdragon to Uno, then there is a high crossbody from Stu onto Kenny, and then Hangman comes in with a super lariat to Stu Grayson. Getting towards the end of the match, we have Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page doing the last call, their finisher to the Dark Order, and they picked up the win. Brody Lee is furious that Stu Grayson and Evil Uno lost to Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega. So he mentions that the Dark Order is everywhere and the Dark Order has strength in numbers. And in the ring is also the Young Bucks to have the backs of Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page. And then the other Dark Order members, I don't know if we're still calling them Creepers, but they all came out, they all attacked the Young Bucks, Kenny and Hangman. And then FTR came out with the cooler and just started to attack everyone else. The Dark Order leaves and heads to the back. And next week it is announced that it will be the Dark Order plus Cole Cabana taking on FTR, the Young Bucks, Kenny and Heyman. That's going to be a very explosive, wild match. Next up, we have our women's singles match, which is Diamante versus Hikaru Shida. This had some miscommunication errors in this match. It was a very slow build. I couldn't really get into it. Diamante is very good as a female wrestler, and so is Hikaru Shida. But I think maybe some language barriers and some wrestling lingo was a little bit to blame here. Diamante went for a sunset flip, I believe. I don't think it was a Canadian destroyer, but it could be either or. Um, But that got wonky, and there was just a miscommunication, and it was really bad. The commentators couldn't really recover from that botch that happened, which was really bad on them. Um, Yeah, um, I have. It was slow. It was offbeat, and it did feel like it was... One of them was distracted, and it wasn't Diamante. But uh, sometimes, you know, these women of AEW just have, like, off days. And, you know, I thought it was going to be a really smooth women's match. Um, 
It definitely could have been better. After the women's match, we get a backstage segment with Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose is going to be picking out of the bag a specific color, and whoever else has this color, you become the tag team for this women's tag team tournament. My problem with the AEW women's division is that they do not get enough time. They do not get enough stories. What I don't like is the narrative of if the men have it too, the women need it as well. That's not always the case. That's not always the truth. Why can't women be unique? Because they're too busy chasing what the men already created. Women are super creative. They have all the talent in the world. They have amazing ideas and sometimes ideas that aren't amazing, but they still tell you their ideas. They still want to be heard. And it's not like women's wrestling hasn't been heard. You know, we still had a fixed years of WWE putting on bra and panty matches and, you know, giving the women like two minutes to not show anything. But AEW is completely different. AEW has a strong women's foundation. And I still need to get to know these women. I don't really know much about them. I gravitate towards Britt Baker because she's a really good heel. I gravitate towards Penelope Ford because she has the personality and she'll be great one day. You know, I'm still learning about these women. And then all of a sudden you want to throw in a women's tag team tournament that at the end they're going to win a trophy and no one's really going to remember and talk about it. Like, no, stop giving the fans what they want because the vocal minority does not know what they want and they want everything so fast. And the moment that you give it to them and it fails, it's on you. It's never on them. It's on you. And that's a lot of pressure to handle. And sometimes when things backfire, People don't know how to recover from it. And people would think that, oh, well, maybe my next idea is going to be a bust. And you can't think that way. You know, I'm all for risking things if you can. If you could risk whatever you want to risk, that's totally fine. If you feel that you could bet on yourself and if you fail, you'll learn from it and you'll make something better. However, if you can't give the women enough singles action in the ring, enough time to tell their story to get themselves over what makes you think that a tag team style tournament is going to do that when most of the women that you showcase right now is completely green and they look like they can't call a match on the fly you know i never want to always look at the negatives in professional wrestling but i like to keep things reality based i cannot be 110 positive when the negatives outweigh the goods, which is just for me to bring to light and make you guys see that, wow, AEW has a fantastic women's division. There's areas where it lacks, and that's not on them. That's not their fault. Sometimes you're given the cards that you're handed, and you have to make amazing content out of it. This is why I'm so passionate about wanting to help the women's division and not so much the men's division because the men already got it. The men have the men have being the elite, the men have 
their training schedules, the men in the ring look so smooth when they're wrestling because they wrestle each other. They treat it like a brotherhood. But sometimes on the female side, it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel the same connection as the men, if that makes sense. So this is why I push on Twitter and even on my podcast that the women need more time. Time is their biggest enemy. The women need to have their own spinoff that's similar to being the elite because, you know, we need to understand who these women are, their motivations and why they want to be a professional wrestler. And maybe sometimes, you know, wrestling is not always the best for them to do. And maybe they could be an interviewer. Maybe they could be something else. You don't always have to be a wrestler in the business to love the business as much as you do. Take me, for example, you know, I tried to, become a wrestler and you know i just can't cut it in the ring and i'm not upset about that but i would still love to accompany my client jd alpha out to the ring or be at ringside and cheer him on i would still love to talk to wrestlers and just hear their stories and learn from them i would love to learn how to do commentary i would love to learn how to be an interviewer i would love to learn every single thing inside the professional wrestling business because my heart lies in it it doesn't have to be always wrestling and I'm not always going to be like, well, if the men could do it too, I could do it. No, no, I'm doing it because I love it. I'm doing it because I know that it's my passion. It's my calling. No one else dictates my future except for me. And no one dictates how I think except for me. Anyway, the women need more time on AEW. The women need a spinoff of BTE, but it won't be no Total Bellas. Fuck that show. Fuck Total Bellas. I'm not saying that the women need a reality-based TV show. I'm saying that the women need a very organic show where it's like you're a woman in the business. You have, you have it a hundred times more harder. That's like an exaggeration, but you guys have it harder than anything else out there. You know, our bodies are not meant to take the bumps that we do in the ring. Our bodies are not meant to always work properly because injuries can happen at, at a drop of a dime and you're out and you know the injuries that the women go through the emotional backlash that women go through like there's so much that can make a spinoff for the women great i would be willing to be the producer of that you know follow the women around you know let me know about their day-to-day -day life you know happy times sad times road stories see them train have them train together because it doesn't feel like they train together to make sure that these matches come out smooth you know make it a little bit different from being the elite but still have that element of it being organic so that way we could gravitate towards them and that way the whole wrestling twitter doesn't shit on the aew women's division because i still believe that it is their strongest asset it's just not being properly utilized and the way that it's going. I don't know when we're going to get to that promised land of showcasing the women, the women standing on their own and the women being proud of standing on their own without the narrative of if the men could do it too, women could do it also. Dear women, we freaking birth children. We are already better than the men. <laughs> okay. Like, there's no reason to have a sexist battle and trying to one-up the men just so that you could be noticed. There's other organic ways to be noticed 
in this industry other than, oh, you're a man? You can do that moonsault? Okay, I could do two moonsaults in one take. Haha. <laughs> no. Be realistic with yourselves and be confident in yourselves and just be yourself. No one out there is putting a force field around you. You're doing it to yourself. And the only reason why I'm ranting this long is because I just don't like that some women think that men hold them back and they want to be independent and they want to be all up in your face. Like if you're just a really good person, you're a really good person. And if you know your worth, why the hell do you have to worry about what other people think? If you know what you can do and what you can't do and your limitations, that's fine. You don't have to go over the top to try to prove to somebody that's never going to give a shit about you. And there goes my rant with women and female and whatever you want to call it. It's just that I do not like the direction that Brandy wants to go in. And I didn't want to mention her name, but that promo that she did, whether it was on dark or, or dynamite really like annoyed the hell out of me. I'm really tired of when women are like, men could do this and men could do that. Well, guess what? Women could do it too. Why can't we just work together? Why can't we just work together in harmony, in peace, and understand that sometimes a woman does need help that does not make you weak, that does not make you anything. It's just that it's okay to ask for help. The same thing with men. If some man out there needs your help, go fucking help them. They're not always wanting to get into your pants and they're not always wanting to look for something more. Sometimes it's just like, hey, help me reach this. Or hey, help me out with this idea. Hey, help me out with this. Help me out with that. There's nothing wrong with working together on whatever it may be. And I know I ranted a little bit longer than that, but I just had to get that off my chest and we're going to move on. We're going to move on. And this is a great segue into oh wait it's not a great segue yet so aside from all that ranting nyla rose drew the color purple that means that her tag team partner was already chosen and here comes cameron i will butcher her name her real name uh, i would have to study her name a little bit more to pronounce it right i don't want to mispronounce it here on the podcast but we all know her as Cameron. She was originally in WWE. She was a Funkadactyl with Naomi. You know, good times, good times. So Nyla Rose and Cameron are now a team for this tag team tournament. Now, getting into the MJF State of Address. Oh, man. You know, when I first started this podcast, I didn't like MJF. I would really tell people that I don't like them. You know, my other co-hosts on uh, this podcast, I would be like, you know, I don't get it. You know, I really don't like him. You know, he was really doing his job. Um, I didn't get him at the time. Now that he has come into his own and he has this state of address, I really respect MJF and I really adored what he did and said in the promo. And I have never been so behind somebody to take the belt off of Moxley. His promo was true. His promo had conviction. He believed every single word that he said, and he is not wrong. If you think he's wrong, 
then you don't understand storytelling. And MJF did just that. He told a complete story from start to finish of why you should use the hashtags of MJF 2020 and not my champion, meaning Moxie is definitely not his champion and the landscape of AEW. And it was just a phenomenal state of address speech. So when all out, AEW's next pay-per-view comes around. I am definitely, I'm going to say it here first, MJF will be the next AEW world champion. He will take it off of Moxley. Now we get to the main event of AEW Dynamite, which is Darby Allin and Moxley teaming up to take on Cage and Absolute Ricky Starks. I have been enjoying Taz doing maybe triple duty. Uh, him being commentator on AW Dark, commentator on AW Dynamite, and also the voice of Brian Cage and Ricky Starks, even though Ricky Starks can cut a beautiful promo. But I enjoy what Taz is doing. I enjoy how Taz praises the men that he has to bring them up in storyline, to bring them up wherever they are. And then he goes back to the commentary booth to give more commentary on the match and add more story to when these guys destroy their opponents. And I think it works beautifully. Ricky Starks cuts an amazing promo before their match is underway. And I really enjoyed that. And I'm glad that Ricky Starks signed with AEW. And now we all get to see the wonderful talent that he is. In this match, it automatically starts out the gate where Darby does the coffin drop from the top of the AEW set. He lands on both Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. Then it's an all-out war. Both teams attacking each other. This tag team match is a tornado-style tag team match where basically there's not really enough rules. Um, every single team is in the ring at the same time, and they all attack each other. Cage does a powerbomb to Darby and Samoan drop to Moxie combo, which looked really great. There is also another combo that... It's a coffin drop paradigm shift combo to Cage. Moxie had Brian Cage ready to go for the paradigm shift, but they added the layer of Darby jumping off the top rope to hit the coffin drop on the cage to add more impact. Darby then decides to bring out a skateboard that had thumbtacks glued to the back of it, and he decided to use that against Ricky Starks. This allows Darby to pick up the victory over Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. Taz was really, really upset about it. And that was the end of AEW Dynamite. So AEW Dynamite from start to finish was okay. There was just attention to detail that needs to be taken seriously. I understand it's, there's so many hours in the day for them to tape AEW Dynamite and Dark and still pay attention to the details. This is why I'm so pushing for me to get signed by AEW just to help them out with that for an extra set of eyes because everyone is doing so many jobs that they forget about the little things. And if you're doing so many jobs, I could take care of the little things and make these shows a little bit more smoother. So that's me shooting my shot. 
I want to thank everybody that tuned in and listened to this episode of an AEW Dynamite review. I miss doing this. I miss talking to you guys, but I am having the time of my life by being on wrestling podcasts, talking about my life in professional wrestling, talking about my life in WWE, talking about my life as the manager to JD Alpha and wanting to see him grow and wanting to see all of the East Coast independent wrestlers that I know succeed in this crazy world we call professional wrestling. It's just one of my passions, and I hope that you guys can be along with me on this journey. Because guess what, guys? I am writing a murder mystery wrestling novel called Rookie. If you guys do not know about it, you guys can definitely listen to the prologue and chapter one on my anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast there, or head over to patreon.com forward slash rookie SCP to get the full complete version of this novel and be along for the ride for all the drafts and you guys get to give me feedback and all that kind of stuff. But Rookie came about because I want to publish a story within a realm that I know professional wrestling is what I know. Professional wrestling is what I'm passionate about. So it follows the journey of Zemi, who is the main character from Indies to stardom. However, he is looking to uncover the truth about his father, whether his father disappeared or died within the wrestling business. He will have betrayals, trials, and tribulations. Actual wrestling matches that I will write out, and everything that we love about professional wrestling will be in this book. He is accompanied by his love interest, and both of them will find a way to uncover the truth and seek out stardom and be on this journey. If that sounds like something you want to support, again, head over to patreon.com forward slash rookie SCP. If not, you guys could definitely just retweet this podcast here. You could definitely talk to me on Twitter at Marie underscore shadows. I have no problem talking with whoever, whomever, whenever. And I will see you guys in the next Square Circle podcast.